Hey. Welcome to the Providence Road Podcast. This week on the podcast, we talk about how the table is a way to carry out three priorities, connection, discipleship, and living on mission. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm Sean, and uh, I'm joined this week. Uh, This is part two of our uh, three priorities, um, and we're, we're, we're finishing up the three priorities with living on mission. We were joined by Matt Haynes last week, but this week he is uh, not with us. And so this week we are joined by Kent Massey. Mm-hmm. Kent? Matt is no longer with us. Well, it's certainly a downgrade. <laughs> no! <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Matt, if you're listening to this, man, you got booted, man. You're out, dude. You got the boot. We but, leveled up. Yeah. Joined by Kent and joined by Emily Reed and Daniel Reed. And uh, we are just going to continue to have this conversation about um, living, how the table um, can be used to to, for, to to help us live on mission. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to start this conversation out by saying that I have known lots of people in my life that their sole purpose in their lives is to use their table as their mission. They, I'm, I've gathered around lots of people's tables, and I, I, I'll tell you one person in particular that I remember, and it was when I was in college a long time ago, back in 1998. I went to York College. I was in, two. I was two years old in York, Nebraska. <laughs> Woohoo! Go two year old. Don't say that. Why would you? <laughs> that makes four. me. I feel so old when you say something like Maybe that. Like, I know that's why I say it. I'm a freshman in college, and you guys were two and four. Okay, great. You know. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well. Um, anyway. This yeah. This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Geritol. Okay. <laughs> have you had your Metamucil? <laughs> I have. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. Steve and Patty Sykes were some people um, in in York that uh, I went to school with with some of their kids. I love them dearly, um, but I got to eat. I got to share a few meals with them when I was in college, and they just used their table as a way to um, minister to us college students. And I I always remember feeling so well loved and taken care of in these moments when I was with them. I mean, you know, college is you're out and away, you're gone, you're, it's uncertain. And they just made me feel like I was, you know, loved and important. And I can remember that being a, a, a time when I'm like, man, I hope I use my kitchen table like this. Yeah. I hope I use my time to to fellowship with my friends like this. Yeah. Um, man, and the Sykes are beautiful people and they've they've done it 100,000 times in their lives. But anybody like that for you or, or maybe even instances where you've been around a table Kent I know you you know all that we 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 covered this before but you know all the greasy spoon places in town you grew up around here but mm-hmm. um man what is the table like for you well I think one of my most formative families I think of in my past around table um is Gary and Kay Sanderson Gary and Kay um were then a young couple who had uh, 
had two young kids and they were at the West Side Church here in town where I was baptized. Mm-hmm. And Gary and Kay always just had um, a way of inviting people around the table. And if you ever got an invitation to Gary and Kay's, you always knew you were gonna eat really well. But you also knew that there were going to be people there who you would get a chance to meet and get a chance to interact with, and that it wasn't just about Gary and Kay and the food, but it was also about the communal aspect of being able to share a meal together and just be in their home. It, yeah. it, their, their table was their their mission, and they did it so, so well. Mm-hmm. I love that. What about y'all, Emily, Daniel? You want me to answer first? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think my the, my first thought goes to um, my grandparents and also my parents. Um, my grandparents were were ministers for <clears throat> basically fifty five years or so, oh, uh, wow. long time. And so my dad was born in Italy. There were missionaries there, and he you know he'll tell us about this was just the reality of living in the Reed household was you were never alone for for a meal. Wow. There was always somebody that was going to be there, especially on Sundays. Mm. And that wasn't something new to my grandparents. It was actually my granddad's mom and that her, their family had always been like that. There was just mm. like you would go eat with her and there would be all sorts of random people from town and from church and family members and just ran, just the table was always growing. Um, and so that was the example that was set that was passed down to my grandparents and then they passed it down to my parents. Um, and so I, you know, we didn't necessarily have people over all the time on, you know, Sundays or anything like that mm-hmm. necessarily, but I remember there's always a spot at the table for another person. Um, and it was like a ministry like you're talking about. Um, and so there's, it's really interesting the different people that we've met over the years um, just because we had them over for a meal. Um, so like, ironically enough, my sister just got married uh, last fall and her now husband at the time hadn't never met Caroline, but his first interaction with my family was that my parents invited him over for like Easter lunch or dinner mm. or something. Just because he was, you know, living in Atlanta, his family is from uh, Mississippi, so it was just like, you know, he needed a place to to have Easter lunch, and it, he wasn't going to have it alone if it, you know, if my parents could um, invite him over. So, wow. it's just stuff like that where they met each other. At, at, that's not at, where my sister. My sister wasn't even there, but like my family knew Tyler for a good while before he met my sister. Wow. She was off at heart. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's just amazing. it's stuff like that that you know different missionaries and different groups of people that we've had over for for food, just the attitude of like that. There's always another spot. Yeah. For another person. Um, I'm not gonna lie, dude. That story hit me like the one where the the guy and the girl get married and then they look through the uh, family portrait thing and they're like. We were in the same picture at Niagara Falls together. Like, did you ever hear that <laughs> yes. story? No. You're yes. like, we're in the same picture. Well, you don't. He's looking off at the falls, and she's with their family. But there, there they are on the that's same day at funny. Niagara Falls. I'm like, that story was like, oh my gosh, that gives yeah. me chills. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, that's that's what I, I think of. Wow. Okay, I love it. Yeah. Emily. 
I think having grown up here, there are definitely people that I met at Providence Road that I wouldn't have met without eating together. Mm. Like our life group when I was growing up, Emily Sanchez and I were in the same life group. And it was like, I think it was like an all-star life group, but it was pretty great. (laughs) But I made like really meaningful relationships with adults as a teen there. Mm. And that was really good. Like Debbie Vanderbeek and Melinda and Kenny Cox, like just a ton of people who were really good for me, like really strong allies for me. And then now having like gone away and then like I had families in college that took me in and invited me in and like you were saying and that was really meaningful. But now having come back, seeing like more people doing that here, like inviting people to their table, like the Bryans I feel like always did that growing up in the youth group. Granted, I was in the Mm. youth group with all of their kids, so Mm -hmm. all of the events were there. (laughs) But I see how, like, they have led by example, and now, like, that's a big culture of what the Valdeteros do. Like, they've Mm -hmm. basically geared up their whole basement for people to come over and be a part of their house, which is really cool. And I know, like, Jim Berlin has done a lot of really intentional stuff with his neighborhood, and... It's all like cookouts and meals together and it's super cool and he birthdays was, and anniversaries. Yeah, and, and yeah. he was just telling us that he actually like cleared a like a trail, like a hiking or like walking trail in their neighborhood that wow. everybody can use. And it's like, uh oh. and all that started because in COVID they just started having block parties. Yeah. Yeah. I I, w- I was just having this conversation with um Kent about um our friends, the Prestons, they had some people come and he mm-hmm. was explaining to me how he just has gotten close to his people and everything just by, you know, sharing a meal together. They were having some sort of a block get together. And, and I was like, man, that, that is like the most intentional. Those are the most intentional conversations I've heard in a long time. And I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we had Brian Sanchez, Emily's husband, build our kitchen table for yeah. us. But when he came over to, to ask how big we wanted it, like he came over to our house and he's like, he looked at the space and he's like, so you want like a like a five foot table or six foot table? I was like, how much can we put in this space with where there's just enough space to get around the side of it, but leaving no more, no less? And he's like, well, that's going to be about an eight and a half foot table. I don't know if you really want that. I was like, no, nope, that's what we want, eight and a half foot table. So he did. And I, I know you yeah. guys have seen it. I know all of you have seen it. It it fits all seven of us, but there's actually more spaces mm-hmm. for, for people. And I love that. I love that when we have people over, we can all fit at that table. Yeah. So we built that table specifically so that we could fit lots and lots yeah, of people cool. around it. And I think that, that that might be the theme of this, though. Like, living on mission requires a mission. So I wonder if uh, what's missing, I think, in a lot of people's... When they hear that, it's kind of a hot-button you know, for living on mission, well, what are you, what am I supposed to do? But I think a lot of times people are lacking a mission so that they're not moving a certain way to a place because there is no mission. They're not trying to have more people around the table because that's not the mission. The mission is just to keep their head above water and breathe, you know, which I, I get it. I've been there. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm there right now in the middle of COVID. I feel like sometimes I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And so if you were to say, like, how many people have you had over to your house? I'm like, you shut your mouth, okay? <laughs> you, but, but I think there's this, 
balance there of that where if maybe if you lack what you need um, it, it comes from not not asking you know you have not because you ask not but then also too if you if you don't have a mission involved you're not moving in a certain way t- t- talk to me a little bit about that well I think you're right I think it's it's about having a mission but I also think it's about a balance to make sure that um, that it's not communicated as an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things that I think as we mm-hmm. sit here and talk about meals and people and those shared times, the there was never an ulterior motive in, in all of that. But there was an ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ultimate goal was to be able to build community, to be able to share with one another, and to be able in that to draw people closer to God and to introduce them to Christ as we had opportunities to be able to eat with people who may have been different and came from different places. Mm. Um, so I think it's no ulterior motive, but always keeping in mind the ultimate goal of how do we draw people closer to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the word that always comes to my head, which is just like the most classic ministry church word, just like intentionality. <clears throat> so, I mean, having people over for, for dinner is one thing, but to say, you know, our family is going to be about having a mm-hmm. we're going to actually have a we're going to physically build a bigger table not just we're going to say that we have a bigger table and there are people are always welcome but we're going to lead with an example of basically what you end up doing is even when you sit down with your seven family members around that table there's still space mm-hmm. and so subconsciously what like what you're teaching your kids is like this table is empty without other people joining us Mm-hmm. Or like what Jim is doing, Jim Berlin is doing in his neighborhood, Jim and Kathy, what they're doing in their neighborhood is is they, they realized that they had a t- place to host and time to host and that it just took them being intentional about like this is what we're going to do uh, to get to know these other people and like you said, Kent, to be intentional about like we have an ultimate goal for people to know who God is for them to be feel loved and seen by us and that they know the love of God because of the way we love them and and welcome them. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we it can sound like really intense just like to have, you know, to be good at doing table or something like that or to live on mission is like, man, that's like you're asking a lot. But I actually think that it's a lot. It can be a lot simpler than that. Um and it's just a matter of intentionality. So, like, the story of you guys building a bigger table has always stuck with me. I mean, it's been in the last two... It's been since we've been here that you did that. But it just has always... When I heard that, it was really impressive to me. Not like... I'm not trying to, like... like no, I, I, you, I realize like, I'm not... Yeah. I just, I just am like... So. I remember I heard that... <laughs> no, you're not impressive at all. But I, no. I remember hearing that story and thinking, like, that. that's it right there. Like, that's what we're talking about that you would you knew that you needed a new table I don't know what the reason was you know Grayson yeah. broke it or something well no yeah <laughs> no we just we moved into a new house yeah and we when we moved into the new house we had a table and it had like an extension on it it was mm-hmm. kind of a it was a round table but it became more oblong shaped when yeah. you put the, when you put the thing in it but we just did, we it was big and clunky and and it just 
we were like, this isn't going to work in this space. So, yeah. And, and that, about that time, we saw that Brian was building tables, right. and we were like, well, we need to get a table up in yeah. here. So. But like just the thoughtfulness to say, we have a moment here where we could just go buy a table, just like an average IKEA table, or we could even have Brian build us just like a classic table. Or we can take this as an opportunity to say, this is the mission we want to be on, and we're going to move that direction. I think that type of... That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, the intentionality behind living on mission in that way, I think, is that that story has always really impressed me, um, and I think that it's really that simple in in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it too that Matt always talked about, like in his table series, was like the percentage of which Jesus' ministry happened at the table, like, I feel like he said it every week, and for a time there, I feel like I could have maybe spouted it back to you, but right now I can't. But then, like, this week, we're talking to the teens about Luke 24 through, like, Acts 1, which is when Jesus is resurrected, and he appears to the disciples, and so, like, all of Jesus' ministry happens a lot at the table, and then after he's resurrected, he is made known to his two disciples at the table mm. when he breaks his bread and then he appears to the other disciples at the table and I just think there's something to be said there of like at the table is where we recognize and encounter Jesus and mm. part of that is what happens at the table like what Jesus does at the table it's this like the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the wine or the cup and like what those actually mean like missional living being this like self-sacrificial love like when we say this is my body broken for you like I will lay down my life in the way that Jesus laid down his life like that's what happens Mm. at the table like that's what Jesus sets up for us and I think there's just really a lot of significance there that goes with missional living especially when you start to view the table whether a physical one or a metaphorical one uh, as like a mission field Mm. well emperor the roman emperor julian um, who also had a great nickname the apostate (laughs) emperor julian the apostate um one of his his major beefs and complaints about the early Christians was their surprising form of hospitality. Um, as a matter of fact, I think one of the words that he used in one of his writings in talking about, um, in his complaint about the Christians, is he said that they were perverting the empire uh, because of their uh, service of tables. Um, and he, you know, could not remember all the names or some of the names of of what they were calling their feast that he said they have many ways of carrying it out and hence call it by many names but I I really love that whole idea that you know the Emperor of Rome was so concerned about the Christians and their early practice of doing table together that it was a threat to the Empire (laughs) and how it was perverting it it was worth him writing about for history to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, wow. um, and and I think it's more than just you know probably the Lord's Supper and their celebration of supper. That it 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 was 
it was driven by the table. I'm, I'm reading a great book that I'm really enjoying. I want to recommend it to everybody. Uh, it's called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church by a guy named Alan Kreider. And one of the things that he talks about is that, you know, a lot of the things that the church today is dependent upon to try to grow the church were not the, the things that the first century church did. You know, mm-hmm. like they didn't have a big focus on what the assembly looked like and what they did in the assembly and everybody had to do the same thing, but um, uh, nor a, a big approach into world missions, though that certainly was important, but it was just uh, enculturation and part of that enculturation process was being able to do table mm. and, and to share food with one another. Yeah. Mm. I was just thinking through that when uh, something you said a little earlier about um, not having, uh, not th- th- there not being uh, an ulterior motive. You said this just a few minutes ago. And man, it's been knocking around in my head since everybody's been talking. Can't, I mean, people can just sniff that out mm-hmm. a, in, a mile away. Like if you if you want to get them to come to your church, or like get them to like become a member of your church, like they can, any person can sniff that out. But if you if your goal is to live on mission, whatever your mission is, our mission is to like our family's mission is to, you know, encourage and love people. You know, uh, if if you if your if your family's mission is to, um, you know, to be compassionate or whatever it is. I mean, and I just I mean. Let me just say this too, like if your family hasn't sat down and had some sort of a conversation about what sort of a mission your family is on, you know, I just want to encourage y'all to sit down and just say, hey, we exist, you know, we the Reeds exist to love generously, you know. Um, I don't know exactly what that is, and I'm not saying you definitely have to put that into words like that, but, um, you know, if, if there isn't, then yeah, it's just going to be this like, push and pull and drag like to try to get people to come to your church and that's not what this is about at all you know if you're passionately living out your mission which is to love people it won't matter where they land they'll be loved generously and and your mission will be fulfilled and god will be glorified in that because you were accomplishing that mission so uh, with that i'm going to wrap up this this podcast Thanks for joining us, Kent, uh, on the fly. Woo-woo. And uh, Matt, you're out of a you're out of a job now. Uh, Kent's gonna. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, hey, I want to encourage all of you to um, subscribe to this podcast if you have not already done so. I don't smash uh, that subscribe. Smash, button. <laughs> smash that button. Um, but that way you don't miss anything. That's that's right. We don't want you to miss anything, and we love to have these conversations. And we hope you'll join us each week and uh with that i'm going to leave you with a blessing as we go the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give each of you peace you are loved have a great day week month year we'll catch you next time